Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Ken's Five, the official TV station of the Spurs. I am Jackson Floyd, and joining me today on the podcast, we've got Ken's Five Sports Director Joe Reinagle. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm great. I'm great. A lot lot of stuff going on, so a lot to talk about today. Ready to get to it. A lot to talk about, including some breaking news off the top. But first, we've got Real Tom Petrini from Kins 5 Sports in the building with us as well. How are you doing today, Tom? You guys can't see it, but Jackson really is like that way for me. We don't want to give too much into the inside <laughs> baseball. I mean, we've still got to project the illusion, you know, we're three different spots, you know, kind of our own boxes. But no, we, we, we are all back in the building. We're still taking COVID precautions spread out across. Uh, we've got Joe in Studio B, Tom in the Digital Production Center here with me. So uh, it's good to, be, good to see everybody. Good to be back in the building. Uh, and of course, you know... Even though we're back in the building, we're taking those precautions, those protocols, because COVID-19 is still an issue. And that's the breaking news off the top. Team USA is running into some COVID-19 situations with the team there. You know, uh, they've just put two players into the health and safety protocols. Uh, They just announced that Bradley Beal will not be with the team uh, when they go to Tokyo in nine days. And Jeremy Grant is in health and safety protocols. No announcement on whether or not his status uh, on the team. I think it still is up in the air. I don't think they fully said he's not going to be traveling with the team, but it doesn't look good. And I mean, Joe, you and I just passed each other in the hallway and just kind of said, look, you know, one guy on a team can expose the whole team. We saw that throughout the entire regular season for the NBA. I mean, the Spurs had a couple guys exposed, and that derailed kind of kind of the season for a few weeks for the for the Spurs, uh, as plenty of players were in the COVID protocol. What does this mean for Team USA moving forward, Joe? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, we just watched Coach Pop and Bradley Beal on the podium the other night after they – beat Argentina. So, and then obviously Beal was all over the floor with his teammates, you know, all of them. He had a great game against the Argentinians. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a scary deal and I'm sure Pop's a little concerned about it. Anybody that's a Team USA fan should be concerned about it. Hopefully it won't spread like wildfire throughout the whole team, but uh, it is something to be concerned about. And with the, uh, you know, the COVID outbreak they're having in Japan right now, that, that's certainly a concern. So, um Something to watch over the next few days for sure. Tom, are you expecting to see more players or coaches or staff enter health and safety protocols as this kind of evolves? I mean, it it really depends on, you know, maybe this is sort of a wake-up call. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people have gotten vaccinated and are sort of getting back into, you know, more pre-pandemic type activities. But I think it's an important reminder for everybody that, um, you know, this thing's still going on. And, uh, you know, the Delta variant is uh, part of a, a pretty big rise here in San Antonio, and we're, we're seeing that uh, in a lot of other places as well. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me, certainly. Um, but then something that a lot of Spurs fans here have, have noted uh, with Beal and now Jeremy Grant uh, maybe not going, who fills that spot? Um, and it might be Keldon Johnson, who has played pretty well with Team USA uh, after being called up from the select team because Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker are still playing in the finals. Yeah, and it remains to be seen when those guys rejoin the team because it looks like these finals could go seven games. We just saw the Bucks even it up last night uh, behind a m- remarkable performance from from Giannis and, and from uh, Chris Middleton as well. Do, do you remember Pop's first media availability of last season? when <laughs> That some, was decades ago. It was decades ago. But <laughs> somebody asked him, you know, Coach, so, uh, you know, Game 7 of the finals – 
uh, is going to be like a day or two before the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. Like, you know, is that going to be tough for you? Like coaching in the finals and whatnot, like as a joke. And he was like, well, I don't think we'll let the finals get to seven games. <laughs> I, uh, I, I do remember it now. It rings a bell. It was a, it was a very fun moment, but like for, for Booker and uh, Middleton and, and, holiday that's going to be a reality yeah so. now so is it more likely than joe that a guy like keldon johnson or darius garland these two guys who are on the select team who've been playing with oh. team usa in these guys absence is it more likely they get the call from team usa to go to tokyo to replace bradley beal or possibly jeremy grant or, or is team usa making phone calls to other guys maybe like trey young first don't sleep on sadiq bay either man i'm sorry the sadiq bay <laughs> we we respect sadiq you know i'm sure they are but the fact that the guys you just mentioned are there they're playing with the team and they're there I, I would think they would get some consideration and and as you mentioned Tom I mean uh, Keldon Johnson has played well uh, in his uh, limited amount of time that he's been on the floor in these exhibition games so I think they've got to be looking at him they have to be and you got to look at the other guys that you just mentioned that are still in the finals I mean you know if you're talking about a two or three days or even a week you know, these guys need to rest a little bit. You know, they're playing hard, so they're not going to be available, I wouldn't think, uh, for an extended amount of minutes anyway, uh, once they get to Tokyo. So um, I think it bodes well for Keldon Johnson. You know, I, I felt kind of bad because last night when we were talking about Bradley Beal, this is before we knew about Jeremy Grant. I was like, hey, this is maybe great news for, for Keldon Johnson. And I had to pull back a little bit. That's obviously not great news, and I don't want anybody to get COVID. But I think this might be a great opportunity uh, for Keldon Johnson, and, and, and I think he would relish it. I think he would do very well on that big stage. I, I, I would agree with you, and, and it kind of plays into a take I'm workshopping that I'll run or run past you guys. You know, we've seen Keldon Johnson as, mem as a member of the Rising Stars team, you know, that kind of getting that national recognition there. Now he's on the select team, playing with Team USA in these exhibition games, maybe working his way up towards the Tokyo Olympics. Is he the new face of the Spurs? And when it comes to the national attention the Spurs get, is he the guy that should be the focal point of this team? I mean, he's he's certainly making a lot of noise. And, like, I mean, Olympic gold medalist Keldon Johnson is not <laughs> off the table at this juncture, which is pretty pretty crazy. Uh, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite Oscar moments. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Uh, I, can't, I remember in 2005, John Stewart was hosting the Oscars and they just award best original song to three, six mafia for their role uh, for their song for hustle and flow. And he steps on the stage and says, that's one Oscar for three, six mafia, zero Oscars for Martin Scorsese. Uh, so, I mean, we could be looking at one, Os one gold medal for Keldon Johnson, no gold medals for Tim Duncan, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, for real. So uh, just, uh, I mean, we're seeing Cullen Johnson shine, uh, and that's the point here. And he, he's in contention for that call-up. Uh, who isn't shining is maybe Team USA in general uh, as we watch these exhibition games. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but what, what, have you been, what have been your takeaways? You know, um, going into this, the, the Team USA was 54-2 and two in exhibition play uh, with professional basketball. So since, since 1992, when professional basketball players could join, 54-2. and two, They doubled the, that loss total over the weekend with losses to Nigeria and Australia. Um, it's exhibition. Joe, how worried are you? I, I'm not worried. I think these guys are having a difficult time, at least early on, figuring out the rules. 
right? Because you look at them and they're, they're still trying to, you know, bump into guys to draw a foul. That just doesn't happen in this type of play. And uh, so coming right off of the NBA season, I think they're still in that mindset and they're still trying to do the same things they do, you know, back here in the States when they're playing for their uh, specific team. So I think they're just having a hard time getting used to it. They look much better, obviously, against Argentina. Uh, and I think it's just going to take some time and, and some, uh, some reps, Obviously, these next two exhibition games will be huge, and they will tell the tell as to whether this team is ready to go once they hit Tokyo. But I just think it's an adjustment period. And now with Beal and possibly Grant out, that might prolong things, which, again, speaks well for Kelvin Johnson because he's already been there. So uh, I'm not worried about this team at all. Tom, with the Olympics nine days away, is there time to make those adjustments, to, to feel it out, to get used to this and to gel as a team? I, I think that we've seen in the past couple of days, like, even if you assemble, like, basketball Avengers and throw them out on the court together and they're all individually great, there's still it's, – it's still a five-on-five five team game. And you still need to figure that part out. A lot of these international teams, in addition to adding NBA talent over the years, they've also been playing together for – as a unit, you know, for a very long time. And – You've got that. You've got what Joe mentioned with the FIBA rules, which I've got to say, hugely refreshing. Like, watching those games and seeing foul baiting just not get rewarded, and instead yes. the ref is just like, that was a weird decision. <laughs> like, I love that. I, I personally love that. It hasn't worked out great for Team USA, but, like, that's a little a little bit more pure. And, and the transition take fouls as well. Yeah. They call that like it's a clear path foul. Yeah. If you, if you uh, disrupt the the transition break with like a lazy, you know, grab foul. Uh, I love that. Um, but I, I think we've needed to see more intensity, more defense, more of a uh, really, really a, an intensity. Um, and honestly, I think that's a big reason why I think that uh, Keldon Johnson would be a, a good fit on this team for the Olympics because he provides that. Um, and he's a guy who doesn't need the ball. You can put him in the corner, let him space the floor, slash, uh, you know, get after rebounds and, and play hard defense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when, when you build a team and it's mostly superstars, you kind of wind up lacking that, like, grit element. Uh, so I, I think that um, really, you know, when, when Pop was asked, like, what are you trying to teach these players? What are you trying to impart on them? He didn't say uh, appropriate fear, but that's what he was saying, was respect that everybody in this tournament can beat us. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if, if how much Pop is relishing these losses, what that means to the team. Um, because he's someone, I mean, he, he's someone who's been, I guess, the, um, he's drawn the biggest spotlight through all of this, the criticism towards the team, it's pointing back to Popovich. Does he know how to coach basketball anymore? We've seen the Spurs don't play normal NBA basketball. They're not shooting threes, you know. Is this is Pop tends to like ISO players, you know, was a criticism or something I read earlier, which I thought was really funny and, and encouraging ISO basketball, which is, uh, you know, 
Popovich is a coach who, who plays to the guys he have. And if he assembles, if he's given a roster of ISO scores, he's going to make ISO basketball work. He's still going to be Popovich, though. He's still going to work in, into his own thing. But he, he, um, he got into it with one reporter who was kind of like, you know, we watched you, uh, the Nigerian team nine years ago. You got, you know, the Olympics team beat them by, what, 60, 50, uh, 53 points, I think. And then uh, Nigeria, you guys beat them three years ago by 30 and things like that. How can you lose to this team? And, and Pop, I don't think he made his point as accurately as he was trying to, but he was trying to say that never happened. He was saying, you know, that that never happened. That never happened. I mean, those scores clearly did happen, but that wasn't the same Nigerian team. This is a Nigerian team that's head coached by Mike Brown, who's been to the NBA finals with the team, who, who's currently assisting coaching the Golden State Warriors. He's a coach of, of notable repute. This is a, a Nigerian team with NBA players on it. I think I'm, I might be misremembering this, but I think I read they've got somewhere in the top five amount of NBA players on their roster. So this is a stacked team. This isn't the team that we saw uh, in 2016 or that we saw in exhibition uh, in, in 2018, you know, international basketball has changed exponentially. I mean, even since we talked about, I mean, it's a big conversation point since 2004 when Manu led Argentina over that team, but international basketball has, has could consist, consistently changed uh, and exponentially changed over that time, especially as we watch some of the best players in the NBA being international players. You know, Luka Doncic isn't suiting up for Team USA. He's over there with Slovenia. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo mm -hmm. isn't suiting up for uh, Team USA. He's with Greece. Jokic, you know, isn't in the Olympics this year, but he would be with the Serbian team, you know. These guys uh, are, are the best players in the NBA right now, and the Team USA has to kind of realize that they can't rely on a high ceiling, you know. They've got to play with the high floor and play as a team, and, and that's goes further beyond than Popovich. I know I kind of went on a rant there a little bit, but um, Joe, do you think that uh, the message that Popovich is delivering to this team is these guys can beat us any given night? No, absolutely. He uh, he has to be given that message because they can. Uh, yeah, it's not like uh, the Harlem Globetrotters against the Washington Senators anymore. I mean, it used to be that way when you know they first assembled the best players from the NBA to go play. I mean, they were just wiping the floor with everybody. And it's not that way anymore. You know, European players now are a big, big part of the NBA, and they're superstars in the NBA, and they can play. And now they're playing for their home countries. And I, mean, I look at that Australian team, and and you know, you, you're seeing Patty Mills and Joe Ingles and, uh, and a lot of guys that you normally hear, you know, that, that are playing here in the NBA. So it's, it's a different ball game. And I think you're right in a way. Pop doesn't mind the losses. I really don't think so. And I think sometimes that's the only way to get to some of these players who have the mindset. Bradley Beal said as much the other night. You know, when I used to watch the Olympics, the, you know, the United States were just uh, – kick everybody's behind. And and it's just not like that anymore. And I think it's a mindset that he has to get into these guys that are on this particular team that we can't just show up in our USA jerseys and these guys are going to be scared of us anymore. They want to beat us. We're the team everybody wants to beat. And we're going to get everybody's best every night. So uh, I think these losses in a way are good. I mean, they mean absolutely nothing uh, in the scheme of things other than to get these guys prepared for what they're going to see over in Tokyo. I'm glad you brought up Australia because we saw FIBA Patty uh, rear his ugly head again. You know, just he is just so remarkable on the international stage uh, when he uh, when he's when he's playing for team uh, team Australia because he is the focal point. Um, I mean, he. 
I, I, I know Tom uh, had some conversations with people on Twitter about what he means to Team Australia versus the Spurs uh, and the role he plays for the team. But I mean, he he's shown he's shown once again uh, against uh, Team Australia against Team USA in this exhibition play. Yeah, no, I I mean, what I I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, Patty does this for Australia, but never for the Spurs. And I guarantee you, anybody who said that would lose their mind if Patty attempted tw- 20 shots in a game for the San Antonio Spurs. The website would just, like, be on fire. Because um, <laughs> that's, not, that's not his role. Yeah. He's, a, he's a bench shooter for the San Antonio Spurs. For the Boomers, he's asked to be, like, the six-foot-tall Steph Curry, essentially. And he really does his best to do that. Mm. Um, like, <laughs> Team USA got a lot of really good basketball players, but they might not have a single guy who could guard Patty Mills' ISO. <laughs> like, he was putting KD on skates. He was going past Draymond Green. <laughs> like, you know, putting the ball on the floor. And, you know, people – that's another one of my favorite things. It's like every two years – People will see Patty Mills do this on the international stage and be like, wait, he can dribble? What? And, like, not realize that, like, he's like that. But, like, you know, the best offense for the Spurs usually doesn't involve him initiating and, you know, playing as a, as a traditional on-ball point guard. Yeah. So, Tom, what did you think of the respect that Keldon Johnson paid his Spurs teammate when he went up to the to the rack to, to put it up uh, and scores on Patty? He doesn't do his signature trademark, yelling. It would have been very space, funny but... if he flexed on Patty. Like, that would have been hilarious. There was an amazing still image from one of the games where, like, Zach Levine had, like, fallen and was like, hey, somebody get me up. And Keldon is just over him, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And like I, you need a guy with that sort of energy. Yeah. Like he he just brings he, just manic child energy. Yeah. Uh, and it's so pure and so fun. Uh, and they know what's, what's great about that. I don't think Patty would have minded. Yeah, I really yeah. don't. I think Patty would have thought it was funny. So you know, I wish I wish he would have yeah. done that. But you know, he's respecting his elders, right? But I think Patty would have laughed at it. Yeah. Speaking of respecting your elders, it's a quick aside, but I just got to shout out Louis Scola for his uh, transformation yes. from uh, stringy, long-haired, skinny Argentinian to I don't know Batfleck. He kind of looks like Ben Affleck in Justice League. So, uh, I saw a lot of people comparing him to uh, the X Men character Colossus or Cable. Just these like ripped dudes. Um, yeah, uh, 42 years old. I don't know how you do it, but uh, it's a very impressive. So respect to your elders there. I think there. he's just been lifting weights since his NBA career ended. <laughs> like, it wouldn't surprise me if he's just been doing bicep <laughs> curls and, like, head crushers for, like, I don't know, 10 hours a day. I mean, he put in the work yeah. and it shows. So <laughs> um, before we move on for Olympic stuff, they've got two more exhibition games coming up. They play, uh, what is it, um, Australia one more time, and then they play Spain, yep. and then they uh, – Olympic basketball begins July 24th, so it's just right around the corner there. Um, looking back at the uh, the last weekend of basketball we saw, um, the question a lot of people asking on Twitter was, is Coach Popovich washed? You posed no. to the is, room? <laughs> yeah, I just had the silence linger there. Uh, just the, the stupidity of the question. So you don't think he's going to retire from the Spurs right now based on the last weekend of basketball mm. is, uh, is what I'm hearing, so. 
See the the first no. two games, I was like, "Wow, maybe Greg Popovich is a bad basketball coach." <laughs> but then they beat Argentina, and I was like, "Oh no, wait, he's good." They so. had leads in both the games too. And so you're that good. guy on Twitter. I see. He's got a lot of burners out there. No, we'll see Popovich back on the Spurs bench next season. That's a guarantee. Uh, another a guy we won't see on the, the Spurs bench, though, is Will Hardy, uh, the Spurs assistant coach, joining Ime Udoka, another former Spurs assistant who was recently hired as the Boston Celtics head coach. Uh, will Hardy will be an assistant coach on that Celtics bench. Uh, I quickly just want to throw out, in, in the name of big fun, a few names from what I think might be most likely to least likely to fill that spot. So here's the names I want to throw out to you guys. Uh, just quickly, if you think, uh, you know, on a scale of 10, how likely he is a, a considerable candidate for the role here. Uh, Brett Brown, uh, formerly of the 76ers, uh, also a former Spurs assistant. Thoughts that he might be on the, joining the Spurs bench, is, Tom? Is, where is he at now? Is he he's, just, he's nowhere. He's, he's, floating? he's just floating. So he's, he's a free agent in that sense. That could be. It, would, it wouldn't surprise me, but then what do you do? I mean, Brett Brown is not a, a, a down-the-bench coach, right? He's, he's a first assistant or a head coach. So, you know, then you've got all the, what are you going to do? What, what happens to Becky Hammond in that case? And so, uh, so I, don't, I don't think a name like Brett Brown will do that. All the, unless he just wants to be here and, and come back to San Antonio and, and be on Pop's bench again. But uh, I think it's going to be an up-and-comer, somebody that, uh, you know, like a Will Hardy, for example, you know, that, that just kind of moves up or comes in and is, is trying to work their way up to becoming a head coach in the NBA one day. So Because Will that, Hardy will be. Yeah. So, Joe, how about Matt Nielsen of the Austin Spurs? He's only been there since November 2020 as the head coach. Could they bring him up the ranks? Absolutely. Why not? You know, I, I think I think the sky's the limit when you go there. I think there are a lot of young uh, up and comers to, to choose from. Um, and, and certainly he, he's a possibility for sure. But I think there's a lot of up and comers. And, you know, Pop has been able to pull some some people out of uh, out of nowhere yeah. and bring them in and make. I mean, who, who had ever heard of Will Hardy? Right. I mean, you know, he, he can't, comes out of nowhere and he's really shown that he's got a good basketball IQ and. Um, uh, so there's a lot to choose from, and I think uh, whoever takes that spot is is uh, is fortunate and and has a bright future ahead of them. I just got to say, shout out Will Hardy, man! Like former intern, yeah, like video, yeah, coach. like like he was he was putting in work, like you know, watching film till his eyes bled. I mean, that's the Spolstra path, right? You know, yeah. former video guy getting uh, rise. Well, up and, and also, and the the name escapes me. He went off. He was the head coach of the Orlando Magic for a while. Um, I'll think of it. I lost it. That's that's old age, fella. Sorry. <laughs> so are you talking about Jacques Vaughn? No, no, no. I'm not talking about Jacques. I can see I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. Um, he started out with Spurs in the film room and worked his way up to become a head coach. He went to Orlando and then he was somewhere else as well. And I, I the name escapes me at the moment. No worries. I'll think of it. Just, just quickly, Tom, could it be a former player from the Spurs? You know, there's a couple guys out there. Tiago Splitters with the Nets. Um, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, someone on Twitter asked him if he wanted to join us, the Nets <laughs> assistant coaching staff. And he was like, I'm available. Could he maybe join the Spurs assistant coaching staff instead? Um, and then um, a guy who was linked to a Spurs open assistant coaching position two years ago was Manu Ginobili. Could he maybe want to come back into the fold? I mean... Manu seems to be really enjoying riding his bike and seeing beautiful, beautiful <laughs> uh, places with his family. Who wouldn't, um, right? Yeah, and like, by all means, he should absolutely enjoy the hell out of his retirement. 
Yeah. I certainly would. All right. The uh, biggest and oh. funnest name for you guys. Would it be the best move for the Spurs if Patty Mills retires after Olympics basketball and joins the Spurs assistant coaching staff? He's already kind of in that player coach role, you know, in the summer league. I mean, the, the Orlando bubble, he didn't play. He, he coached the team alongside the other guys. Um, could he maybe join the assistant coaching ranks and then clear up some more of that? You know, we've got a lot of the, we talk about a log jam at the guard position that kind of clears some things up there. I wonder if the Spurs maybe poke the bear there and just see uh, see how see if there's any interest. I think that it would, if that happened, it would be an unofficial thing. Yeah, you know, like, and it would be like if if they they would probably if that was in their plans, they would bring him back on like a one year deal, see what he's got, and if they want to go another direction, then it would be like a short term thing because he's mm. still got buckets to get. I mean, yeah. he we just saw him leave lead the game in scoring in a game that had Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal and all of those guys. So like, and, and it's kind of how I felt with Tony when he got to the end here in San Antonio where, you know, he, he had every right to be like, no, I still got buckets to get and, and go and get mm-hmm. buckets. So, yeah. um, Patty Mills is, would be a great coach. Uh, but, what is he? Thirty-two. Yeah, he, he's not close. He's not near retirement. And like I said, big and fun. You know, just throwing it out there. He's, you know, he's so. still really fast too. Yeah. So you know, I I think and and his game, I think will continue to age well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, whether whether or not you want him playing more than fifteen minutes for the Spurs, that's another question. But um, I I think in terms of uh, coaching, he'll be a great one when that day comes. But that day yep. will probably be uh, a, little, a little down the road. All right. Okay. And, and I can see Patty going back to his home country of Australia, right, and doing something there as far as basketball goes. Yeah. You know, as much as he loves his country and as much as he does for the people there, uh, I can see that happening too. But I, I'm with Tom here. I think Patty thinks he's got, uh, he's got more years and uh, a lot more fuel in the tank to play before that coaching, uh, before that coaching job comes up. Absolutely. Now, so we don't really know who's going to fill that position. Um, the Spurs, like you said, they, they could pull someone, a diamond from the rough, you know, someone that we don't really know or haven't really considered for that role. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who's on there. I think a month ago, if you had told me there would have been an assistant coach who wasn't coming back next year, it would have been Becky Hammond, the name that I thought of first, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little surprised to see that it's uh, Will Hardy, I know, getting an assistant coaching role elsewhere, but moving on uh, and Becky staying behind, even uh, as she was considered a finalist for the Portland Trailblazers role. Uh, a lot of uh, backlash to how the Trailblazers handled the hiring of Chauncey Billups, uh, and, and not necessarily the hiring of him, but the how they treated Becky Hammond in that role. Neil Olshee, the general manager for the Blazers, spoke to um, just how how great Becky did and being able to you know get up to the ownership ranks and things like that. And uh, there were comments on Twitter about is that misogynistic the way he's treating that? Uh, was Becky a PR move? Uh, in the midst of hiring Chauncey Billups, who has a uh, 1997 uh, sexual assault uh, accusation uh, that was settled out of court 
Um, you know, and th- that kind of conversation was uh, was um, kind of bubbling around that job. That's calmed down a little bit uh, in the wake of the finals continuing. And as the news cycles do, you know, these things comes in waves. But Becky Hammond did speak to a CNBC and Jabari Young uh, and, and just kind of weighed in uh, saying she's not bitter about not getting the job, that she gained a greater understanding of the process. She also added that she's ready for the opportunity once that the right team is ready. And uh, that it's a competitive business, um, that she uh, knew she was going to be second. She knew who they wanted through the process, and she's okay with that. And um, that's the way she's treated every race. She's always been behind in races uh, throughout her life because of her gender in the sport. So um, she's someone going to kind of keep plugging ahead, and when the right team is ready, be it the Spurs in a year or two, or someone else who's going to come knocking, and other teams will come knocking, be it for a PR move like the Blazers did, or to seriously consider her, um, we haven't talked about the Becky Hammond thing, uh, uh, the, the fallout from that and the uh, process since she was named a finalist uh, due to just the nature of how this podcast schedule has worked during the offseason. But, uh, Tom, what was your takeaway from her comments to Jabari Young there? I mean, I, I think she she basically said it all right. And uh, she, she had a pretty good quote here. Uh, Throw everything out of the window. If you want to hire me, you'll find a reason to hire me. And if mm. you don't want to hire me, you'll find that reason too. And that's just that. And like, yeah, nailed it. Um, and even though the Blazers had uh, a very good reason not to hire Chauncey Billups, that was their guy. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in that very awkward press conference, Neil Olshu was asked uh, about you know, the process for investigating that uh, 97 case. Um, And he basically said, that's proprietary and we're not going to tell you anything about it. Uh, And, you know, the question was about, like, you know, what did you guys do? How did you go about this? What work was done? Uh, And the attorney for the alleged victim uh, reportedly, uh, according to, I believe, Oregon Public Radio, um, said it would be news to them that they conducted an investigation. So, um, you know, when you, when you have, when you hired that guy with that controversy and then you, you've had Becky the whole time and people understandably get upset that you, you could have made history, hired the first woman NBA coach, which by the way, like she, she really just cares about being hired for her qualifications she says that over and over again. Like, she doesn't want it to be a big deal that she's a woman. Um, and instead you hire somebody with a, a pretty credible accusation for something like that in this, in this age. And uh, a lot of people were upset. There was a lot of blowback. And a report came out from Bleacher Report uh, that cited anonymous sources that really could have only been Olshi or somebody close to him that was like, yeah... Uh, you know, Becky was a finalist, but they heard from, like, you know, people with the Spurs that she really wasn't that great at, like, the day-to-day coaching stuff, which I think everybody saw that and was like, yeah, that's doesn't smell right. Like, you know, anybody who's ever worked with Becky Hammond uh, on a basketball court, Pau Gasol wrote a really good Players' Tribune piece about how she yep. just knows the game. Um, and... It's n- she wasn't just an N- a WNBA player. Like, she was one of the greatest. Like, you know. And honestly, like, play style, not too dissimilar from Dame Lillard. Like, in terms of shot profile and, and 
general, uh, you know, ability and, and position and things like that, um, you know, she she could ball and she is on Greg Popovich's staff because she deserves to be there. Yeah. Uh, she wouldn't, she's been here for seven years now. Um, she would not be in San Antonio on the coaching staff if she was leaving a whole lot to be desired. So everybody who saw that, I think, treated it with a very uh, high degree of skepticism that it was real. Yeah. <laughs> because it just seemed so uh, out there and ridiculous. Um, and well, it was totally ridiculous. Uh, let's, let's get to the ugly truth here, okay? And even in this day and age, no one is right now is willing to take that chance. I mean, that's a huge thing. The media attention is going to be enormous when Becky Hammond or another female coach is hired. It's going to be enormous. The spotlight is going to be so bright on that particular team, whoever it is. Teams right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say team management, and I'm going to say players as well, are just not willing and ready to pull the trigger on a hire like that. I just don't think so. You're going to find excuses like Portland made that, that we all agree is ridiculous. And I just believe that even in this day and time, it's going to take somebody with enormous guts to finally say, Becky Hammond is the person we want. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care about the spotlight. We're going to hire her. And I just believe in my heart that right now, there's not that team out there. Uh, maybe it's the Spurs. Maybe they have to be the, the trailblazers that they've already been. Maybe that's the case. But, but I just honestly believe uh, in my heart of hearts that nobody is ready to do that. And it's not just management. I think it's players as well. They're saying, mm, I, we're, we're not ready for this. The players that have been with Becky, I think, would be fine with it. But the players that haven't, I think they're a little hesitant. And, and that's, those are my thoughts, and I just believe that's what's happening right now. Joe, if that's the case, that's a shame. Um, that it is. The way I it agree is. with you. Um, I agree. And, and honestly, I think that those teams' hesitancy due to maybe an increased spotlight from the media um, might be overvaluating the situation. I don't think there would be judging every move she makes based on her gender, or based on her being a woman. I think that there would be a little bit more of, of a... Um, I don't know. I don't think that that criticism would be there from the media. I mean, there would be people talking heads on air who need to fill time on their debate shows who will bring it up. Um, but overall, I think the national media would be much more, uh, wouldn't take that leap. Wouldn't take the, the if, if the team struggled, if, if she lost two games in a row, three games in a row, they wouldn't make the jump to, well, they did that because she's a woman. Now, from the player's perspective, I do think there may be more hesitancy, like you're saying, from, from players who haven't been around a woman assistant coach. But Becky Hammond is not the mm -hmm. only one. There are plenty of other women in the league. Uh, I think the Pelicans have an assistant coach who's a woman. The Boston Celtics had an assistant coach who was a woman. You know, it's becoming more widespread, and I think that being exposed to that and having that being in that position will change players' minds. And I think that a lot of the younger generation, the majority of the younger generation is probably going to be more fine with it than the guys who are over 30. Um, and like you said, her being around the Spurs makes it probably the best chance, best opportunity for her, the best chance for every single player on that team to embrace her as the head coach because they've seen her success. They, a lot of the guys on this team, like DeJounte Murray, 
watched her win the summer league. We're there on the sidelines when they won the summer league, right? Mm-hmm. Or was Dijon, mm-hmm. that was the year before Dijon, right. that was the year before Dijon. But anyways, they've seen her successes. They've seen her take over the head coaching mantle from Popovich in a game. Uh, they've been around that and they see the day to day with her and how successful and good she is as a coach. It's asinine for the trailblazers to accuse the Spurs of saying anything negative about her when they would not have handed her the head coaching reins for a game when Popovich stepped away if she was bad at this. So that's I, I think that, you know, there are definitely going to be some people on the different teams who are resistant to this idea for really antiquated reasons. Mm. Um, and I think that the Blazers are a prime example of that because if it's, if it's harder to hire a woman, like in terms of like the public spotlight and things like that, than it is to hire somebody with, you know, credible sexual assault allegations that you have to, you know, then explain in the introductory press conference, but not really explain. Be like, yeah, we looked into it and everything's cool. And don't ask us any more questions about it. Like, how is that easier to do than doing something that, you know, at least in terms of, you know, what people would say publicly about it? Is it because it's been done? I, yeah, I mean that people have gotten away with hiring people with yeah. credible allegations in their past. Yeah, and and it's smooths over, right? So yeah. I mean, well, and 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 guys, let's let's look at Damian Lillard. I mean, right there, Portland is trying to hang on to Lillard. They they want him back, right? So you know, I, I'm sure he has some input. I'm not saying that he exed Becky Hammond out out of anything. I'm I'm not saying that. However, I'm sure he had an input, and maybe. Maybe he has a relationship with Chauncey Billups. Maybe they've worked together before. Maybe something that the Blazers thought was going to be better in their interest in keeping him around than hiring Becky Hammond that may not have, and maybe he goes somewhere else. It's all hypothetical, obviously, but all of that kind of stuff plays into this uh, big time. And so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very close-knit fraternity. You guys know that as well as anybody. And, and you know – People have their thoughts and they want who they want. And, and that's just the way it is, especially big time players. The thing that really pissed me off that all she said was like, he was asked like d- directly, uh, you know, there are candidates with more experience, more coaching experience, including Becky Hammond. Uh, so why did you go with Chauncey as opposed to her or somebody like her? Uh, and then he goes into it and, you know, kind of like half compliments Becky, uh, you know, it's great that you made it this far. And, uh, and then, you know, says, oh, well, you know, Chauncey has this like, you know, gravitas and like, you know, (laughs) when he walks into a room, everybody just like, you know, pays attention and like listens to, and it's like, like he, he went with a whole bunch of compliments uh, about Chauncey Billups, which I mean, probably true he's he's uh you know in terms of the coaching stuff he's very highly regarded but uh when you when you say it in that context you're suggesting that becky hammond does not have that gravitas which is hilarious because like i'm i mean especially in the spurs organization and i think people who know basketball too like you know she she has earned a ton of respect and i i think that the people who are still at this point refusing to give it to her is a pretty obvious reason why. Um, So yeah, I I think, I think we'll leave it at that. The other, the other thing is, 
you know, something we've talked about a little bit before that we don't know, have the Spurs discussed, uh, you know, moving forward with her as the head coach after Pop goes? And, you know, when people were like, when people saw that report about Spurs talking bad, they were like, ah, CIA Pop is trying to depress her value. Wouldn't the most CIA Pop thing be, okay, we know that you're the second choice here. We know that we're going to give you the head coaching gig. Why don't you go over there, see, get, gather as much intel as you possibly can, and then come, come and report back. And it might actually look really bad for them if, if you get far. So, you know, that, that would be the most CIA pop thing. I have no sources on this. It's just, you know, the funniest possible thing that happened in my brain. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that. And I think it's, it's there's a lot of intel gathering to be done there. But I think just if even if they use a ruse, like, you know, downplaying Becky's role uh, with the Spurs in order to keep her here, I, I think that looks bad down the road. Right. right? That's, so, that's yeah. not something they would ever do. No. Right. Like, because, you know, people talk. Yeah. Right. And like that, that would be a, a really bad thing for Becky Hammond to find out, like, you know. Oh, who's talking to smack? Yeah, yeah no, that, that would not be great. So we're going to see Becky Hammond get the chance again next offseason to be the first woman head coach to break that barrier again, whether or not it's with the Spurs. I'm sure her name will appear in other head coaching jobs that open up. Uh, there's going to be some head coaching jobs that open. You know, that happens every season. I, my guess is the Rockets will be a team that may be looking for a head coach. She could just go down I-10 and uh, coach uh, down there. I would hate to see it. Um, as a, uh, as a that would be awful. But uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to revisit all this next offseason, too, as all that plays out. Um, we've got. Okay, wait a second, oh, guys. Yeah, before before we move on, before we move on, James Borrego, the Charlotte Hornets. So I had it all wrong. James Borrego was the guy I was, I was looking for. The video Started coach, as a film guy. Thank <laughs> you for letting me. Uh, Unhang myself there. <laughs> yeah, of course, Jim. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course, he went to Charlotte, and then uh, Parker joined him uh, that offseason as well. So so we are two weeks away from the NBA draft. We are three weeks away from free agency. Becky Hammond's coming back. Are we seeing that we're going to see more of a consistent comeback for this team? Like, is this team going to be very similar in three weeks or in a month, once all this plays out, than it is now? Are the Spurs going to be a, guy, a team that makes a big splash? Or are we seeing just a dip in the toe in the pool? What do you guys see uh, playing out over the next month? Tom, I mean. I, I think that, I mean, anytime they've got a lottery pick in the draft, mm. I mean, that in and of itself is splashier than most Spurs off seasons. Uh, let's just be honest. Like uh, the, the 12th pick is certainly nothing to sneeze at. And there are going to be a lot of really talented players there. It would make sense for them to go with somebody who is taller than 6'6". Six, six. Uh, if they draft another guard <laughs> yes. with a 12th pick, people are going to lose their minds. Uh, and that will fuel a ton of speculation about upcoming trades. Um, yeah. Because, you know, that that's something that, like, if they go guard direction, then it, it raises serious questions about, um, you know, the core of the team moving forward. Um, at 12, though, there should be a bevy of uh, really intriguing wings and big men uh, who can all be, uh, you know, potentially star players mm. in their own special way. Um, the guy that Spurs fans, I think, are most excited about is Kai Jones out of UT. Uh, 6'11", track star from the Bahamas, can jump out of the gym. Uh, you know, decent shooting mechanics uh, that have pretty good potential would love to see him working with chip um and 
you know, that that's the guy that I think if you ask most Spurs fans who who you hope they get with 12, um, they're going to hope it's him. But yeah. then free agency, they're going to have like $53 million in cap space to play with. So they, they can do a lot of different things here coming up. Yeah. Joe, do you remember what happened the last time the Spurs drafted a guy from the Caribbean who excelled in another sport? Who was a, Let a me think. Uh, I think they went on to win five championships when that happened, right? That, that may be the only um, comparisons you can make between Kai Jones and Tim Duncan as players. I un- think. Unrelated, <laughs> but uh, they might also go acquire a, a, point, a, a power forward out of Wake Forest. There so. you go. There's options out there. So uh, the next Tim Duncan Absolutely. should be uh, arriving to the team. Now, Tom, you, you mentioned um, uh, the, the, what would happen if they drafted the guard. And I think that's connected to some of the rumors we've seen out there. Joe, it sounds like if you believe the the scuttlebutt out there that Derek White and DeJounte Murray are uh, maybe on the move. There, there may be people who might be in trade talks. Uh, the Spurs may be yeah, open yeah. to sending one of them out. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I try to wrap my head around all of that, and I really don't see any of that. Now, maybe a Derek White, maybe the Spurs think uh, uh, his his health is not going to be what they want it to be uh, moving forward. That's the only thing I can think of. But, you know, look at DeJounte Murray, and he's come up in everything. And I had this uh, argument with a guy on, on Twitter the other day that, you know, if they get an opportunity to move up in the top five of the draft, they should trade DeJounte Murray immediately. And I'm like, well, I'm, I, all of those guys are good players in the top five that will be drafted, but are they as good as DeJounte Murray? And I'm just not sure that's the case, and it's simply because Murray's got years of experience in the NBA. And I think his game has improved. I certainly thought it improved last year. I, I just think – Derek White and DeJounte Murray are two guys that I still believe that you can build a team around, certainly put some pieces in place. And uh, unless you're going out and you're going to get, you know, I've heard that, what Pirtle, Murray, and, and White for Kimball Walker. I mean, would you guys make that trade? I wouldn't. Uh, no. I mean, so I, I don't understand. I really don't understand uh, that anybody can go out there. Maybe they're just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. But yeah. uh, I just don't see Derek White and DeJounte Murray being off of this team uh, when the season starts this fall. So the, I think the exact wording of it was could be gettable mm. in trade discussions. And, I mean, I don't think that would be news about – 99% of NBA players because like, you know, even the great ones are gettable for the right package. Right. Um, of course. And so, you know, when I heard that though, I was, I started to think about, okay, if there is truth to this, what would be the deals that would, you know, like that the Spurs might, might be considering mm. putting them in. Like, like, what would move the needle that much that they would part with one of these guys who, you know, they, they really quite like? Um, and if they, if they could get into the top five of the draft, I think they would have to consider it because, you know, if you, if you look at a guy like Evan Mobley, you know, um, like, I've, I've not seen many seven-footers move like him or shoot like him or, you know, play like him. He's... A really special player. So, um, if it's if it's a top top five pick and you've got to part with uh, you know some pieces of the young core, they might consider that. Um, I just wonder what team in the top five, top four, 
would be willing to, you know, part with that pick. Um, somebody mentioned, you know, Cavs and packaged the pick with Kevin Love and his bad contract. And, you know, he's on Team USA with Pop and, and all of that. Um, I, I don't really see the Spurs doing that. Yeah. I can see them kicking the tires on it with a lot of these things. But I would be shocked if they pulled off the lot. You know, like, I, I really believe that DeJounte Murray and Derek White are going to be the starting backcourt for this team next year. Um, but the, the other thing that I thought maybe this would be something where, his, where their names would get floated is a deal potentially for Ben Simmons. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's the kind of move that I think makes sense. That's the kind of needle-moving move that makes these guys gettable. It's, it's, it's if, you, if you can get into the top two and maybe get Cade right. Cunningham or Evan Mobley or you get a guy like Ben Simmons, whom, I mean, has his faults. And right. they were on full display uh, in the conference finals right. or the but like, semifinals. Like when, when that report went out that you know, these guys could be gettable, everybody and their mom's like, oh, what if we traded this bad contract and a second round pick and got DeJounte Murray? Yeah, what if? That would be cool for you. Yeah. Uh, like, like, no, they're, <laughs> they're not going to do a sign and trade and give DeJounte Murray for Larry Markkinen. That's not going to happen. Joe, is this uh, just uh, thirsty fan bases who want DeJounte Murray, who see how good of a young player DeJounte Murray is and see how good his contract is? Is that what this all dials down to? Uh, absolutely. I mean, and that's and that was kind of my point, right? I think DeJounte Murray has improved to the, to the point where he is a quality point guard. And I think he's got more room to improve uh, to be even better than that. And so, yeah, I mean, he's – He's very attractive. I mean, there's no question about it. I think he's very attractive, and that's why I don't think he leaves here unless you have something that the, that you, is thrown in your face that you just can't do without. And I think that would take a lot. Now, it's certainly a lot more than, than what I've heard. And, and I think it's comical, and, and, and Tom mentioned this, but that these guys are gettable. I mean, again, everybody's gettable for the right deal. That means absolutely nothing. So – um, and it, it's just that time of year where, you, you know, rumors fly around like, uh, like mosquitoes. So it's just nuts. We should, we yeah. should talk about Ben Simmons because, uh, there, there was, uh, a reporter today who I'm not super familiar with, uh, but has a hoop site here and, um, you know, said that the Spurs are reportedly interested in, uh, trading for Ben Simmons, um, and, you know, nothing on specifics of what a package would look like. Um, but, you know, that, that's the first that we have seen reported interest. Um, and that, But that's kind of like you're – they're gettable. Sure. I mean, right? I mean, Spurs are interested. Of course they're interested. But then it comes down to what they have to give up for that, and is that worth it? So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it makes for good fodder and makes for great podcasts too. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's not like Popovich hasn't spoken good things about Ben Simmons. He's a guy who talks a lot about, uh, he, who, who offers a lot of praise in the, uh, to, to players, but he has said a lot of good things about Ben Simmons. And he's also a coach who is who excels, and we brought this up talking about Team USA, at finding the best from the players he's got. You know, if it's, you know, he, he knows he has a lot of guys who excel at passing the ball, at finding the next man. He'll build a beautiful game system around that and make the play, let the players excel. If he's got two of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA, there might be a lot of mid-range falling, uh, you know, for this team. He finds what these teams do that excel. And so that, I think there is why that's, there may be some interest there is 
Ben Simmons is a guy who excels at a lot of things. He maybe doesn't excel at the one thing you want from him, which is scoring, but he's an amazing passer. He's really good at finding open shots. He's a great defender. I mean, he's been in the conversation as as a defensive player of the year numerous times. You know who loves defense? Coach Popovich. So I, I, I could see this more than just kicking the tires. Yeah, I, I think, though... The, the biggest question that I have about Ben Simmons is not about his shot, mm. you know? Like, it's about why his shot hasn't improved mm. in the years that he's been in the league. And, like, you know, it's it seems like one of those things where every summer they're like, okay, you know, can you work on this? And he's like, yep. And then he comes back next year and, you know, can't or won't shoot. And, uh, like, it got so bad in the playoffs this year, that game seven, he had an open dunk and passed out of it and like basically got called out after the game by Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid. And so there's friction there. Um, And the Sixers reportedly want a star player, all-star caliber player back. So uh, in, in terms of like best case scenario for the Spurs, if they know DeMar DeRozan isn't coming back, and can, you know, work a deal around him, throw in some picks, uh, and, you know, maybe some other players, but, like, not key parts of that young core, um, that, like, but but do the Sixers say yes to that? Yeah. I don't know. That's what um, makes the most sense to me is if DeMar is involved in the trade, not DeJounte. But, right. I mean, the Sixers might want DeJounte. Um, and DeMar might not want to go to the Sixers. And that's right. a big part of the sign and trade there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do want to end the podcast on some good vibes, though. You know, we just talked about Ben Simmons, a player who uh, went to the offseason with some very bad vibes. Um, you know, I, I, that, you mentioned that shot. Uh, the, the, he turns away from that dunk. It kind of reminds me of the uh, Matt Sanchez butt fumble. Like, it's just going to be always attached to him for negative ways. I mean, Sanchez was not in the league much longer following that. And that didn't define him as a football player who led the Jets to the conference final. You know, um, that was a butt fumble of a basketball play. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But bringing the good vibes now, man, I mean, everything is trending up on the John's John Collins conversation. Uh, Tom, you put it out in the atmosphere and to the ether uh, several months ago that uh, Collins would be the best fit. And then Collins went on a magnificent playoff tear with a surprising Atlanta Hawks team. Um, and it seemed like, man, it's doomed that call, the Hawks are going to have to bring this team back, right? I mean, why wouldn't you bring back a young core that just made the conference finals in their first playoff appearance, right? Um, but it seems like Collins might be the man out uh, of Atlanta. Um, the general manager, according to The Athletic, I think it was The Athletic who reported it. Yeah, the um, team owner, actually. Team owner uh, said, you know, they'd love to bring it back, but, you know, it's going to be costly, and maybe they don't maybe they don't have the money to match something a max like a max contract. The, but basically, we we have the full story up on Ken's. It's my pinned tweet. There's a it's it's a lot of words in there about John Collins's fit. But the the more uh, you know recent news on it is uh, mm-hmm. T, Hawks owner Tony <coughs> Ressler in conversations with the Athletic being like some players deserve max contracts, some shouldn't get them, and uh, you know like. We, we love this group, but can we afford to keep everybody together? Probably yeah. not. Like, we're probably going to have to, get, you know, have some people go. And in terms of flexibility, without mentioning John Collins' name yet, he was like, we can either send a message that we will be financially constrained moving forward, 
or that we won't be. And, you know, just reading between the lines and the context here, uh, he, he doesn't want to be handcuffed to John Collins at a max, because a max for the Hawks would be more expensive than it would be for the Spurs. Mm. Um, and even a max for the Spurs that they would then match would be very expensive for them with the money that they have on the books with guys like Capella, Gallinari, Bogdanovich. Um, and then they've got, they've got to give Trey Young a max deal. They're going to have to pay Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Uh, Anyeka Kongwu was pretty solid for them. Um, and when, when I looked at that Hawks team, um, as great as John Collins was and as, as awesome a fit as he is, um, you know, I think that the depth of that team and the different ways, that the, the different complementary players off of Trey Young, that's the most important part. And when it came to John Collins specifically, the Hawks owner said, you know, we love John. We think he's a great player and more importantly, an even better person. And we want him to be a part of this organization. And, you know, it's our job to come to a deal with him that's fair for both sides. And I hope he's a Hawk. That guy's in a position to guarantee that he's a Hawk next year. Yeah. And, you know, I think if that was the plan, you'd be fine saying it. Um and maybe it's a little bit of hardball, like, no, don't sign that offer sheet. We won't, we won't match it. And then, like, you know, it, it winds up on their table, and they're like, ah, and, and like, just close his <laughs> eyes and, and write, signs on the dotted line. Yeah. Could, could be a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but it also could be laying the, the groundwork for a fan base that's clamoring, you know, hey, we need this guy. You know, you're the billionaire. You pay him. Uh, and for him to be like, well, I run a business which nobody wants to hear as a sports fan from billionaire, but like, you know, laying the, laying the groundwork there for this is why we didn't bring him back. Yeah. Um, and if, if the Spurs offer him a max contract, which they can afford to do, it would start at $28 million a year and leave them like $25 million in remaining cap space. Um, you know, four years, about $120 million. Um, and yeah, it would be a quarter of the cap, but, it would be uh, it would make him the highest paid player on the team, but they have all of their young core under contract. Yeah, um, and you know, extending Lonnie Walker probably won't be too expensive. Um, Going to have extensions coming up for Keldon and Luca, and you know, then then the next guys. But um, they can they can afford to take a swing on him and give him the max deal that he wants because uh, he apparently turned down around four and ninety. Uh, from the Hawks and wants wants a max deal, um, Spurs can do that for him. And yeah. is he like you know a go to scorer? No, uh, but he does everything else at such a high level at that modern four, you know, position. If you if you want to think about how much the game has changed, just think look at how he plays the power forward position and how the last guy that the Spurs got at that position from Wake Forest plays it. Uh, you know, it's. He, he spaces and hits 40% of his threes. Yeah. Uh, he, he put Joel Embiid in a headlock and dunked on him. Uh, like he's, he's a nuclear-powered lob threat, uh, the caliber of which these Spurs ball handlers really haven't played with. Yeah. Uh, except for Derek White, who played with John Collins and the Team USA Select team uh, and 
actually threw him a lob, uh, which gave me great joy to watch. Uh, I mean, he's got the skill set that the Spurs need. That's the biggest right. holes are what he does best. Um, and, and Joe, it kind of reminds me, not saying he's Kevin Durant, but it kind of reminds me of how the Warriors are able to bring Durant, even though they had Curry, because they had Curry under a good contract. You know, the Spurs have Murray under a good contract. Um, it also kind of has shades of the 2011-2012 Oklahoma City Thunder, who made a uh, finals and then had a roster decision, Serge Ibaka or James Harden. And the Rockets made the best of that move and, and got Harden from the Thunder and then had a team that was a dynasty for, I mean, not 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 championship winning dynasty, but was one of the top playoff contenders in a historic offense for several years to come. Now, do you think the Spurs, Joe, should be the financially flexible team that wins in a situation with a salary strained team like the the, the Hawks? Is that the right move to make this offseason? Well, you know, I'm not going to say it's a bad move. First of all, anytime you can get Kevin Durant, you're going to do whatever you can to get him in there. So it's a, it's a it's really apples and oranges when it comes to John Collins. John Collins, you know, professional sports is all about timing, right? I've seen a lot of average players have good playoffs or a good Super Bowl, for example, and they get max deals and then flame out. Not saying that's John Collins, but I'm not sure – that I'm comfortable with giving John Collins a max deal. Um, I, I think he does have all the, the, the skill sets you're talking about. I think he would be a great addition to the Spurs, but am I willing to uh, invest that kind of money in John Collins? At this point in time, I'm just not sure I'm ready to do that. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you know, he's certainly a need. He certainly would, would, would fit the bill, but I'm, I'm just not – completely there yet when it comes to offering this guy a max deal. So having said all of that, uh, certainly I I would do that with Kevin Durant in a heartbeat. I mean, obviously, right. I would do that. Bring Kevin Durant in here. That'd be great. But John Collins, I'm, I'm, I'm still teetering on the fence with this guy a little bit, even though I read Tom's article and he makes some great points and, and, and I'm, I'm closer to John Collins now than before I read the article. But I'm still not there yet. So write another article, Tom. Well, I'll, I'll try to talk to talk you into it. And if you haven't uh, read it, yeah, it's it's like I said up on the site. But uh, the max for him, like, would not be the same as the max for Kevin Durant, for example, because he's sure. only played six years or played less than six years in the league. And I think a lot of people hear max contract and they're like, "Oh, he's not worth LeBron money." No, he's not for sure. No, but. Uh, He's, we, he's, we're talking about Lamarcus Aldridge money, basically, right? Are we talking would, about that? It would make that, him, it would make him a, like a top forty paid player in the NBA, like some somewhere between forty and you know thirty five ish, I think. Um, so it's a sizable contract, um, but it would be more expensive if he had more experience in the league, or if he was re-signing with uh, his own team. Sure, um, and. You know, any anytime somebody like says that they they don't want to pay John Collins the max, I'm like, unless you're like a part owner of the Spurs, you probably won't have to, right? So like, I I think you'll be good. I think we'll all be good. We don't have to pay him. Um, and the Spurs just got uh, some some more people with money uh, in in the ownership group. So they did. Um, you know, if if that's a decision that they're comfortable making, really the only concern, you know, from a team perspective is is it too much with the salary cap? Mm. And I, I understand that concern uh, in principle, and I think it's a reason why a lot of teams will steer clear of offering him that kind of money. 
But because the Spurs have so much space, uh, I, I think that they're one of the few teams in the league where, maybe the only team in the league, where it would make sense for both parties yeah. uh, to give him a max deal. So, um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to, to put a poll up and see uh, if people would rather overpay in uh, players and assets for Ben Simmons or overpay in dollars for John Collins. Um, yeah, we, we can definitely do that. Um, and we, we will not include a neither. We're going to make you choose because, right. uh, yeah, that, that's the fun of it. Now, if Tom wasn't enough to convince you, maybe my Photoshop of uh, John Collins in a Spurs Fiesta jersey will do it because uh, he, looks, he looks pretty good in the uh, teal, uh, pink, and orange. That's going to do it for today's episode. That's Real Tom Petrini on Twitter. You can find him at Real Tom Petrini. Tom is a uh, Kins 5 digital sports writer. He's got plenty of articles on all things John Collins, Becky Hammond, Team USA. We've got more Team USA stuff on the horizon as well and then of course joe ryan eagle ken sports director you can find him behind the ken sports anchor desk uh nights weeknights at 10 p.m and he was also on the 5 p.m show uh joe you got anything fun planned this week uh for for uh, the sports coverage well i mean obviously we're talking a lot about this talking a lot about team usa and, and what they're going to do we got to follow that very closely because i don't think we've heard the end of it uh, hopefully we have, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if something else pops up with that. So a lot of stuff. And then, uh, and, and I know this is the big fun pod, but we're getting ready for Cowboys camp next week already. So the NFL season's about to kick off. So yeah, lots of stuff good. happening as we, uh, move out of the summer and get closer to the fall. That's right. You can catch all of that on Ken's five, the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm Jackson Floyd. You can find me at Jackson Ken's five. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the big fundamental podcast, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.